Hey, everybody. Uh, you can uh, get your worship guides out and or follow us on version. The worship bulletin's inside if you use that app on your iPhone or other lesser uh, choices. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're starting a new series today entitled The... Wow, we just did it, made it easy for you. It's right there. So it's entitled The What? The Holy Spirit. All right, The God I Never Knew. Uh, sometimes there's, um, you know, when I'm thinking about titles and I'm thinking about, you know, getting ready to start something new, trying to find some way to express uh, the sentiments in a summary, you know. So I was, you know, I kind of, my brain is wired for music. Uh, some of you guys don't know, but I was a worship pastor here for a long time, um, uh, a couple decades. Um, and so there's always music going through my head and uh, even just yesterday, we're having a prayer meeting, and Deej was trying to find some music. I'm like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And just like, it's an archive. I uh, can't help it. It's a thing. But I was doing that with this particular series. And so this video, um, I was looking for just kind of a, a YouTube video that I could put up. It's so funny that the particular show that I was thinking of is so old that, that they didn't really have a clip that goes with the song, but they did have some other clips. And I was like, that has nothing to do with the series. But I thought I'd play this thing for you. This is what I was going to kind of use to to title the, the series, but I changed my mind, but I still want you to hear it. Are you ready? Can you show that video, Linda? Slash song. People Come on, you know it. How many, raise your hand if you know it. One boy cuddly tore my up and down, my pride and joy. All right, anybody ever watch The Courtship of Mr. Eddie's Father? Wasn't that a great show? Come on, I'm dating myself. The young generation over here is going, what? Don't even know what he's talking about. But what, if I was to try to introduce the series, I, the Holy Spirit, I want at the end of this, I'm just saying in the outset, the end, the end game is that he be your best friend, basically. That's what he wants to be, is your best friend, to help you navigate and handle, as I always say, this crazy nuts, cursed world. So, so important that we see things right. Um, here's our series, Big Ideas. I kind of get into it right away. If we don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, you can't have a personal relationship with someone that you don't see as a person. You can't develop, foster, cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit if you don't see him as a person. If he's an object, if he's an it, if he's a force, the force is strong with this one, um, then you cannot have a relationship with something like that or some uh, thing like that, something like that. And so it's so important that you see him as a person. The Holy Spirit's been around a long time. The Holy Spirit is actually referenced in the scriptures 800 different times. Even as early as Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Holy Spirit shows up on the stage, so to speak, of creation. The earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was there right at the beginning, bringing order from chaos. Can I have an amen out there? Amen. That's, what he, that's what he's there for us to do. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of take a little bit of last week, and I want to pray right now, and I want to, I want to ask God to kind of be a part of the, um, the launch of this series. So will you just join me as we pray for a second, and do your best to just kind of focus and fix your spiritual eyes on what we're getting ready to talk about. Can you do that with me? 
Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, uh, I invite you into this place, and I thank you that uh, you, are, you are meant to be here with us, that you will be with us unto the end, as the song said, you will guide us, and you'll lead us into all truth. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you lead us into all truth as we go forward each and every week, Lord. I pray that people in this room would have a hunger to learn more about the person of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the importance and value of friendship with the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. I pray that this be because of our expectation and anticipation, a Kairos moment where we don't wait for God to show up. We, we invite God to show up by our faith. Use this time in your name. Amen. Amen. The, uh, the word spirit or the Holy Spirit actually shows up in the Old Testament. Uh, the word in the, in the Old Testament was, the Hebrew word was the word ruach. Ruach. You could probably say it with a little that Jewish phlegmy sound. Ruach. You know what I mean? Everybody say, come on, let's do it. Ruach. Just look straight ahead so you don't spit on somebody. Uh, all right? And so it shows up there and it means, the word means wind or breath or uh, an exhilarating burst of air. Um, in, the, in the New Testament, the word for the Holy Spirit is the word pneuma. Pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. It starts with the letter P, which is kind of weird, but pneuma. And it means the same thing. Wind, current, blast of air, um, breath of God. Um, God breathed into the Spirit. He breathed the Spirit into the Scriptures. A word there in 2 Timothy 3.16, God breathed is theos Neustus. You see that new, that breath is in that particular word as well. What's important to know is that in the Old Testament, and this is, so, this is cool for those of you who are into this kind of stuff, but in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon people and then depart. Uh, an example would be, for some of you who are familiar with the Old Testament history or Bible characters, uh, Saul. Saul was, uh, David was God's choice. Saul was the people's choice as a king over Israel. And Saul, though, was, he was a pretty extraordinary leader for a period of time. And at one time, the Holy, the Spirit of God came upon him and he began to prophesy. And he became like another man, the scripture actually talks about. He went from kind of hiding in the luggage, which is a cool story, where he didn't even want to come out and, rec and be recognized for who he was appointed and called to be. And then the Spirit of God would come on and he could come out and he was like a different person. Because the, because the Holy Spirit was upon him. But the Holy Spirit would lift and or depart. That was very common in the Old Testament is for the Spirit of God to come and go, come and go. But in the New Testament, because of Jesus, not only Jesus modeled this, uh, we saw this happen even at his baptism, which I'll come back to, but the Holy Spirit came and stayed, came and stayed. Yeah, that's a big amen. Come on, let's have an amen out there. And so for those of us who are believers uh, in Christ, the Holy Spirit will never leave us or forsake us, and he came to empower us and help us live in kind of a cursed, crazy nuts world so we can, we can live uh, as overcomers. Ultimately, he's going to restore this world, fix this world, but how do, we, how do we regain, this is one of the things that was in our fast focus, for those of you who are fasting with us on this 21-day journey, but is how do we regain dominion in a world where we lost dominion? Man lost to me. The Holy Spirit is there to help us regain our dominion so that the world is not controlling us. We are actually able to live in it but not be controlled by it. This is good. I'm just going to have some fun up here with myself. It's okay. While you guys get warmed up, see whether you like it or not. Um, 
But Jesus, he, he was really baptized, when he was baptized in water to fulfill all righteousness, at the same time, he was actually baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to descend upon him. At, and we see, of course, later on, all the, the world was given the opportunity to experience that at Pentecost. So our series, like as I unpack this, basically it's going to be like systemic. It's going to come out little by little by little. Today is more about dealing with some of the misinformation and misinterpretations, dealing with some of the restrictive barriers and resistance that we have, and then also primarily introducing to us the role of the Holy Spirit. What is his role in our life? That's what we're going to talk about today. In the coming weeks, we'll talk about things like um, some of the questions, dealing with some of the, the Q&A about the Holy Spirit. You know, I, people sometimes, what about, you know, the par- unpardonable sin or the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? What about, um, we'll talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the dynamic gifts of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the classic, the, the big one that everybody always wants to not know, but know, only knows a little bit from somebody else, not necessarily biblically presented, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about all that kind of stuff and more. Probably going to take four to six weeks on this series, so buckle up. All right? Um, Here's what I want to do now, though. I think the best person to introduce the Holy Spirit to us is not me, it's Jesus. And so what I want you to see is in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay, it's New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, my father used to say, hold the horse while I get on. That's how we remember it. Um, In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, there are three chapters there really, and, and more, that Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to us, okay? And so what I want to do is kind of pull out some things from those three chapters, um, key verses and key ideas and principles to help us, all right? So you can look in your notes, John chapter 14, we're going to get there. Here's the context. Um, This is, all, all this conversation in these three chapters happens at the Last Supper, the Last Supper. The Last Supper is known... Uh, in our Christian faith as the first communion. It's the thing that we as a church connect, um, appreciate, and experience the first Sunday of every month, not because we have to, but because we get to, amen? As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. It doesn't say do it often. It just says when you do it, remember me. But it's a good idea to do it often because it's important. So we're, that, that Passover experience and all that goes with that, we talk about quite a bit. I won't do that today. They're, they're having a meal together. And this... Most of this conversation, the three chapters that you read in John 14, 15, and 16 are all happening at that meal, okay? Just so you guys can get the, the feel and the framework of what's going on here. In fact, this has all happened after, shortly after Judas has left. Everybody know who Judas is, right? Judas was one of the disciples who betrayed Jesus. In John chapter 13, Jesus had, um, he had washed all the disciples' feet. An incredible, he, he showed his humility and his humanity in a profound way, kind of took off his robe, which is a symbol of what he did from heaven when he came to earth, and he divested himself of all his privileges and rights and rank and all his power and just said, this is what I do with all that. I get down on my knees and I serve. And the greatest among you is the servant of all. It's an incredible story, John chapter 13. And he washes all the disciples' feet, including the one who he knew, by the way, he had foreknowledge because he was God and man, that would betray him. If you knew somebody was going to betray you, could you love them? More than that, could you wash their stinking feet? I couldn't. I got a problem with feet. Anyway, um, imagine loving someone that much. 
Especially when the next morning he was crucified and he knew the next day that was going to happen. It's incredible. So this is all the night before, and this is the conversation, and this is how it begins. And he tells them about this person, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to bust out in Brian Adams' music real soon because of this voice thing. Some of you like, who's Brian Adams? All right. Um, verse 16, it says this, and I will ask, follow with me, John 14, 16, and I will ask, or your, your Bible may say, I will pray the Father. It's kind of weird language. If you're reading from New King James or King James, how many got that, got that translation you're looking at? Okay, a few of you. Some people don't, don't want to admit it because whatever. Um, it would say, I will pray the Father. The best rendering of that, that particular word can translate ask, okay? NLT, NIV is a little more accurate than that. So I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Everybody say advocate. That can be translated helper, comforter, consoler to help you and be with you forever. How long is he going to be with us? He's going to be with us forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Here's the problem with the world and relationship, in essence, with God, is we have a problem sometimes coming to God because we have to see and touch and feel. Well, that was, that was what Jesus was trying to explain way back in John chapter 3 in the encounter and conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus where Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? I got to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus is like, no, silly rabbit. We don't go back into our mother's womb. That's crazy. You're a grown man. Check yourself out. No, he's saying, you got to be born out of, of, of water, but born of the Spirit. And then God, Jesus was unpacking, what is the Spirit like? The Spirit isn't something that maybe you can see or look at, but it's like the wind, the breath of God. You know, you can see the signs of the Spirit or the wind of God. Are you guys tracking with me? So Jesus was always revealing this person of the Holy Spirit. It's in the Old Testament. I could do different things. It's in the New Testament. But he really just starts to unpack it in John 14, 15, and 16. And he sees, and he says, some of you neither see him nor know him, but you know him. Say, I know him. And this is a great promise for us all that we're never alone. He says, for he lives in you, uh, excuse me, with you and will be in you. And this text, again, it took place during not just the final week of Jesus' life, but the final, really the last day of his life, his physical life. And if you think about that, if you, had, um, if you knew you had your last day and it was today, and tomorrow you're going you're to be gone. You're going to pass from this life to the next. I have a feeling you would gather certain people together. Your agenda would change dramatically. It wouldn't be Piccadilly after church from the pew to Piccadilly. It wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be what football am I watching this afternoon. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be nap. It wouldn't be, you know, it would be gather the most important people Think about the most important messages that I could communicate and download that with as much conviction and, and, and sobriety and love and you know, value as I possibly can. And I'm just submitting to you, that's what Jesus was doing. They didn't necessarily get it, you know, because he didn't, he didn't come right out initially and tell them that, but that's what's going on here. What would you say in the last day of your life? And so this is what's going on. John 14, 31, he says, the world... I want the world to know how much I love my father, my dad. And I'm carrying out my dad's instructions. 
right down to the last detail. And one, uh, and I submit this to you, one of the most important details that he was here to download was to clearly introduce someone. And that's our message today is our silent partner. Everybody say our silent partner. So it's Thursday night, all right? before he would die on the cross, about 6 p.m., they're having this Passover meal, as I've said already, and after supper, they have this meal together. They're reclining, relaxing. They have communion, and they begin to sing these hymns and songs, uh, kind of a, just a, it's a very, very familial, comfortable, relaxed, relational environment. In the middle of that, Jesus drops a bomb on them. A song always goes to my brain when I think of the word, drop a bomb on me. I won't go there. All right. Uh, you have to, the guests will have to catch up because I get crazy. Um, but basically he says, he drops a bomb. He says, guys, I got to tell you something. I'm getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to die. And, and he wasn't kidding either because by Friday at 9 a.m. the next day, he's on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. I mean, can you imagine having the foreknowledge of this? And when he tells them this, they're absolutely, incredibly, totally shocked. It's just shock and awe because their world is now being flipped completely upside down because they had an idea of how things were going to go. The end was going to be this, and Jesus is saying, no, the end is, I'm sorry, guys. No, it's this. In the end, end, guys, it'll all make sense, but your end, not going to be like that. Your end is me coming to an end. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And they had been politicking and positioning for a position kind of in Jesus' kingdom and rule. They thought he was going to be a physical king that was going to come in and kind of take over there in the classical sense, but that's not what was going to happen. In the middle of that, Jesus taps all the relational equity that he has with them, drops this bomb, and basically says to them, hey guys, John 14, 1 through 4, it says, Do not be tr- don't let your hearts be troubled. What do you mean, Jesus? Don't let my hearts be troubled. That's the, only, that's the only thing that could possibly be going through my heart right now. This is bad news. And he says, He says, trust in God, the sovereignty of my father, the mission and plan that he sent me on, and trust in me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. He talks to his followers and he says, trust me. And so this is what I want to do. If if I had, I have this old school picture of a boom box when they had the cassette recorders, you know, they had the dual decks, you know what I mean, where you could have one side playing, the other side's recording. Anyway, I've got a picture of that, and I just, just hit the pause button. If I could hit the pause button on the front end of this series, I would like to just say, trust Jesus on this as we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Don't trust me. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Because that's what he was getting ready to do. He's unpacking some important stuff, and he says, guys, I know you thought it was going to be like this. No, it's going to be like this. Trust me. Trust me. Because in the end, it's going to look a little different. And then he goes on to say, in my father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there. I'm going to pl- prepare a place for you. I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. That's all in an ultimate sense, the end end. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Of course, Thomas says, I don't know the way. I don't know the way. What's the way? Jesus then says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, verse 6. Classic verse major Christian doctrine. We consider this, if you've been to Church 101, one of our essentials. And I'm going to do a little pause, especially if you're new to church, you're new to church environment, you're new to Christianity, there's confusion. So this is kind of a little sidebar, okay? Can you handle a sidebar for a second? All right. Jesus says, I didn't say it. Jesus says the only way to God 
is through him. The, 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 when, when, I, when I, at different times in my life, when I wasn't um, fully informed, and the Holy Spirit helped me with this, by the way, helped clarify and helps me communicate and understand things. In an ultimate sense, I think we have to have a childlike faith that trusts God with the things we don't understand until we understand. And some things we'll understand when we get to heaven, we're going to have a eureka moment, an aha, and as a child, we're just like, okay, I get it. But, but a lot of stuff God wants to unpack for you in the meantime. And the Holy Spirit was showing me this whole thing. And at one time I thought, how narrow? How narrow? The only way to God is through Jesus? I mean, that, that's just pretty narrow. Is that what you're trying to say? Is that what you really believe now? Is, is your faith narrow-minded and exclusive? Do you kind of actually really believe that? And the truth is, yeah, I really do because Jesus said it, and that's enough for me. But if you look at it in context, if you look at it within the counsel of God and the context of the scriptures, you'll see things a little differently. And the Holy Spirit, I want to whet your appetite with this, wants to reveal truth to you. I read, a, I read, you know, well, first let me say this. You guys are exposed to this opposite doctrine in massive quantities. Um, you know, the, the many, you guys, you guys are probably even familiar with this term, many roads lead to God. Anybody ever heard that term before? This is Oprahism. I have nothing against Oprah. She looks great, by the way, lately. Um, I don't know what she, where she goes, what she gets her stuff. But anyway, she looks awesome. Um, but but the, I, nothing against her. You believe in Jesus, and I believe in this, and I believe in that. And the good, cool part is, we'll all get there one day, uh, you know, just different ways we're going to get there. That is contrary to what Jesus says in John 14, 6, right? But here, here's the thing. Let me, let, me, let me unpack what the Holy Spirit was showing me. Years ago... Um, my daughter, Madison, when we lived down the street here on 89 Pleasant Street, we used to, it's like back then we actually had two campuses. It was this one and there was, there was 89 Pleasant Street because we lived so close to the church, everybody just couldn't tell the difference between our church or our house. It was, wasn't so great. Um, we love people, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. Anyway, um, I can remember when Madison started to ride a bike and we had this long driveway, big carport in the back, and uh, she'd get on the bike and I'd be in the back and this, this is how, she wasn't that good at it, uh, but she, she'd always want to have this, this, this enticement, this draw towards going down the end of the driveway towards, towards the main traffic. What is it about us that's drawn towards danger? You know what I mean? Our mission, the Dominican Republic, was started on that premise. My dad was running on the beach, and there was a sign that said, enter at your own risk. And, which is an invitation from my father. You know what I mean? And then he just crossed over there, met somebody, and later on we started a mission on that beach. Anyway, it doesn't always work out like that. So my daughter, she's, she sees this road and she wants to go to the main street and she's never ridden. So initially, what do I do? As a, as a, as a loving father, I just, I just, before she even starts heading that way, I just, I just start talking to her and lovingly telling her, hey, honey, I just want you to stay back near daddy. Just stay kind of close. Stay within my kind of view so I can see where you are. And she's circling. She's making some good turns and things like that. And before you know it, the turn's getting a little wider. Before you know it, she starts looking like she's heading that way. So now the next thing I do is I lure her with compliments. Sweetheart, sweetheart. I love it when you do that turn that comes back towards daddy, you know? I love it when I can see your face and not your backside. I love it when you're really close to me. And, and so I, I, I upgrade from loving forewarnings to lure with compliments and affection and affirmation. But then because of the nature of this little thing, 
she starts heading back down that road again, and she's starting heading towards that, that, that oncoming traffic and that main road, and I run down, and I pull my child off the bike, and I grab her, and the bike falls, and I said, look at that traffic. Do you understand what your father is trying to protect you from? You are not prepared to face all that is ahead of you. That can take you out or whatever. Tell that, just put the fear of God in her. Listen to, to what I'm trying to say. Am I any less loving because I threatened my daughter when I lovingly reminded her to get closer to me? Because I threatened her, does that mean I don't love her? No, it doesn't. And in the end, what's best for Madison is to be near me. And I think what sometimes we, mis we, we misapply information because we don't understand the nature of God and his, and his ultimate concern for us is to be with him and be near him forever. That he will initially try to warn us and, and, and just with his love, and then he'll try to lure us, you know, with his affirmations and his words. And if he has to, he'll step in there and pull us off the bike and give us a pretty strong word. That, that's a loving God that wants to be with us. And Jesus saw all this. Perhaps what the issue is, it's not a narrow issue. It's not about narrowness, which we make it, which I think the enemy plants in our brains. It's about what's best for us. That was just kind of a sidebar uh, when Jesus said, I'm the way, I just felt like I had to do that. So they didn't like that answer. And Jesus saw the disappointment, and so he goes a little bit deeper, and he begins to now reveal uh, this partner that he has. And in John 16, 7, which is in your notes, in verses 12 and 13, I'll highlight these. It's, Jesus said this in verse 7, it's for your good, everybody say, for my good, that I'm going away. If I do not go away, the counsel will not come to you. He's saying to you, it's for your good. This is Jesus. When I think of Jesus, I, I don't know about you, but I've prayed sometimes in this life, in, in, in recent years, Jesus, I sure wish you could be here right now to help me with this situation. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how I'm going to solve this. I don't know how I'm going to fix that. I don't know how to overcome this or that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, we can easily identify with the fact that I need Jesus in the here and now or my father. But Jesus is saying, hey, it is necessary that I go. Now, one of the reasons that it's good that he would go is because Jesus couldn't, he couldn't be on location everywhere. He couldn't be. And so suddenly he's going to give us someone who can do everything he does for everyone, everywhere, all the time. It is essential for you that I go. And then he goes on to say this. This is cool in verse 12 and 13. I have, Jesus said this to him, on the last night, he's going to be on the cross the next morning. He says, I have much more to say to you. Well, you better hurry up. You gotta, we're going to be up all night. I'm tired. But you can't bear it all now. He, who's he? The Holy Spirit. Turn your neighbor, say the Holy Spirit. He will tell you things to come. Are things to come things from the past or things from the future? Things from the future. So the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to be able to reveal all the things that Jesus wanted to tell us, but he couldn't. He's going to tell us that stuff. That's what he's talking about. And so he, he, he reveals this new person in the mix. He spends the rest of the night talking about the Holy Spirit in three chapters. He talks about it when they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. 
It became the focus. He talked about it after he was resurrected. That 40-day period after he was resurrected, for some of you who don't know that, he was, here for, he was on the earth for 40 days, over 500 witnesses minimal that, that saw him, interacted with him in some way, shape, or form. In that whole time, he talked about the Holy Spirit as well. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, verses 5 and 8, in your Bibles, it says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power, or as my daddy used to like to say, power. You'll receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. It was the first thing that he talked about just before he died, right after he died. It was the, it was the main thing that, that happened right after he um, ascended in Acts chapter 2 with the New Testament church really being birthed with the introduction of the Holy Spirit. Here's the irony. I do all that to say, here's the irony of it all. This is, without a doubt in Christianity, been the most controversial and confusing subject in the body of Christ. And it's been twisted uh, beyond any other, other subject there is. It's a fact. It's, you know, 10 times more than the subject of money, etc. And yet, and yet, um, and, and, and people say things like, you know, I'm comfortable. This is really what the message has been in Christianity. I'm comfortable with God the Father. I'm comfortable with him. My daddy, Abba, Father, you know, Abba, Abba. You know, we got all these different things. Jesus, the Son of God, you know, my best friend, my intercessor. Yeah, but I don't know about that Holy Ghost. I don't know about that Holy Ghost. That's how they say it in the Pentecostal churches. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost! Holy Ghost! <laughs> I've, had some, I've had some exposure. Holy Ghost! I can do some T.D. Jakes maybe next week. Um, so, I don't know about you, Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, for, just for clarification, interchangeable. I, I don't know about you. I don't like ghosts. Even Casper. I don't like him that much either. You know what I'm saying? And I had a lot of ground to cover as a young man because what happens is you come into the church, there's an overemphasis on the minors and a de-emphasis on the majors, and you come in and you get overexposed. You have no context for really what's going on because we've introduced an aspect of the Holy Spirit and made it this big, and we haven't really understood the person and the relationship that God wants to have with us through the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we think it's all about handling snakes and swinging from chandeliers. And so we run away from one of the, the triune God, we, want, we run away from the Holy Spirit who we need so bad. And the only thing we want to do is sing that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's the only Holy Ghost we're comfortable with. It's just that little line right there. The Holy Spirit is not what you may think. There's been this in the church, either overemphasis of aspects of the Holy Spirit, expressions and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, sometimes filled with, with uh, exhibitionism and excess. But I submit to you this. Listen, even though that is true, I believe there's actually an underemphasis of the Holy Spirit, and that is an even more major problem in the body of Christ. So yes, I understand the extremes, but because of the minority represented Modeling those extremes, there's been an extreme by the majority to avoid and de-emphasize the importance of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. It's so quiet in here. So the Holy Spirit's not what you may think. And what I've discovered is that for most people, they're not inter <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, interpreting the Holy Spirit 
by what the Bible says, but by what people think. It's been a few isolated and insulated experiences or encounters that have brought all this confusion and controversy. And so this is what I want to do. I want to unpack some barriers real quick. This will go fast. Three barriers to our silent partner are this. Three barriers to, to knowing the Holy Spirit, right? Number one is ignorance. Ignorance. Everybody say ignorance. You just don't know what you don't know. This isn't necessarily to be seen as a bad word. Again, there's an overemphasis sometimes, an underemphasis on the role and the person of the Holy Spirit. But the main purpose of the Holy Spirit is to see lives changed. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Holy Ghost. Acts 19 verse 1 says this, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Some people just don't know. There are people that just sometimes don't really understand the Holy Spirit at all. Many don't know what, what they just don't know. There's preconceived ideas. I would ask you to do this. I would ask you to get into your Bibles. You can write these little scriptures on the side if you want for bonus material and look at the scriptures with a fresh page. You read it for yourself. Like pull out the old files, just burn them up, rip them up, tear them up. Start over. Read things like Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts 6, Acts 8, Acts 19, 2, 4, 6, 8, 19. Look at some of these incredible uh, experiences with the Holy Spirit in the, new church, in the New Testament church, remembering that the context is Jesus said, trust me, I'm getting ready to go so that he can come. Is everybody getting that now, what I'm saying? So you'll see the Holy Spirit is not some weird transcendental experience. You will see the Holy Spirit is not an it, not a force. You'll find him as a person. We'll talk about the personal Holy Spirit more next week. I can't wait to talk about next week. But a silent partner was sent for you and me uh, by Jesus himself. So the Holy Spirit's wonderful. Number, number two, barrier is fear. Everybody say fear. I used to be a little bit afraid of God in this respect. Uh, and I think we all need a healthier fear of God, a fear of the Lord. I'm not really talking about that necessarily, but I didn't want too much God. I think there's an inherent fear of too much God. You guys tracking with me out there? You know what I mean? Like if I, if I totally commit to God, if I get too much God, he's going to send me to some third world country, live in a mud hut, mud hut or whatever, have to wear sandals, you know what I mean? Fig leaves and, and be you know, eat mosquitoes. That's what it means to be, you know, totally, you know, on fire for God. And so that, that's the context sometimes that we come into relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a fear. There's a fear about it. And there's a prophecy in Ezekiel, excuse me, chapter 47, verses 3 through 5. Let me give you the, the, the paraphrase on this, okay? Ezekiel 47, 3 through 5. It's talking about the river of God. Now, the river of God and the Holy Spirit, there's been a lot of correlations between those two things. I just guess say, trust me on that one. But it, it really describes a person coming to the river's edge, all right? And then a person that gets in a little bit deeper, ankle deep. And then a person that gets in about maybe knee high, waist high. And at each level that this person comes in the river, there's a little bit more pull, a little bit, more, a little bit harder to stabilize, and ultimately, if the person will completely surrender where their feet come out from underneath them and they surrender, they release control to the river, the Bible says that the river there at that point is teeming with life. It's teeming with life. 
This, this is like a parallel to what relationship with the Holy Spirit is all about. It, the only thing sometimes is the one thing we resist, and that's God. The only thing that we should not resist is God. The only thing that we should be completely submitted, surrendered to, and controlled by is the Holy Spirit. Nothing else. The best thing for us to do is to release our control and surrender and just kind of go off into the river of God, so to speak. But we have a hard time with that. And some of us stay kind of at the river's edge. Some of us are at different levels. My goal is to move you a level closer to that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. That we trust, not me, you trust God. You trust, you trust Jesus' words. I was listening to a friend who travels all over the world speaking. In fact, he does a lot of international travel and he was going over into, from, from the States over to Europe. And when he goes, he's on these long flights. And on the particular planes that he goes on, he never knew this after all of his travel. He never knew that some of the flights have these incredible benefits on them. They have different aspects of the plane behind curtains where... Um, you know, you could get a bed to sleep in and lay down on, and they'll hand you little booties for your feet and give you PJs, PJs and booties. Some of you be really interested in that. Some of you don't care. Uh, there were other areas where there was kind of like, um, like a, 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 a lounge where you could like have, a, there's a theater and you could have, you know, some nice food and you could order different things. Then there was another place where you could go and get a massage and somebody gives you like 10 free, 10, 15 minute massages on the plane. On the plane. And he says, I've been on this plane over and over and over again, but I was too afraid to pull the curtain back and see what was on the other side. And I think that's where the church is when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the majority of it. It doesn't realize all the benefits there are in relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's afraid to pull back the curtain. We're all going to get from point A to point B. It's not going to change our relationship ultimately with God. We're all, it's not a salvation issue. This is not a heaven and hell issue. This is an earth issue that while we're here traveling and traversing the earth, there are more benefits that the Holy Spirit wants to provide for you and me if we simply want them. Here's the next thing, resistance. I think we are all naturally resistant God sometimes has to keep messing with us sometimes to get our attention. And I think many of us are just like these guys in Acts 7. You stiff-necked people. It didn't say naked, it says naked. That's funny, I don't care what you say. You stiff-necked people. You stiff-necked people. With uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Guys, we can't resist the Holy Spirit. Stop looking at him through the lens of your experience or the experience of others even worse. See him through God's word. See him through the lens of Jesus. Think about it. I think we all need help in this, in this world we're in. We need constant contact. Uh, for some, I think the show of the charismatic world, Pentecostal world sometimes, which by the way is the fastest growing denomination in the world bar none, and the place that has the most difficulty and resistance to the move, the charismatic denomination, is America, hands down. Isn't that interesting? Because we're the most self-reliant and affluent, by the way. But the excesses and exhibitionism of what we've seen has kept us from the secret to intimate relationship with him. It's almost like, what I think has happened is, we'll get more into this later, but it's almost like the gifts, the spiritual gifts, specifically one, has hijacked has hijacked the, the, the Holy Spirit in our relationship with him. And I think sometimes the, the use and the abuse 
of those gifts has kept us and caused us to shy away from relationship. And can I tell you something? At the end of the day, it's really not about experience. I believe in experience. But that's what the church has made this all about. It's all about experience, experience, experience. If we are experience-driven Christians, we are weak Christians. We need to be word-rooted Christians that are not moved by circumstances or feelings alone. God gave us those feelings. Those feelings are good, but they, they can be unreliable and we, can all, we all see through a glass darkly. We have to be careful not to be led by our feelings, led by the spirit, but not by our feelings, amen? And so it's about getting to know a person. The person of the Holy Spirit is more than the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like, just like with Jesus. Knowing Jesus is more about, it's less about what he can do for us here on earth. It's more about being with him after this earth forever, relationship with him from now and forever. And the Holy Spirit relationship with him outweighs the frills and even the benefits that he provides for us. So so while I describe benefits, don't misinterpret. I'm wanting to really emphasize the importance of relationship with the Holy Spirit here. And 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 he can't trust you at the end of the day with some of these benefits and with his power if you don't know him any more than Jesus can trust you unless you know him. But he needs, he need, he's not someone who's going to make you crazy or, or someone who will bring, you know, disorder in your life. He's the one who actually brings order and peace to your life. The Holy Spirit is a God of order. He was there in the beginning, taking something that was, the earth was, was chaos without form, and he, brought, and he brought order and he brought form to it. He was there in the beginning, and he wants to be that, not just for the earth, but he wants to be that for your, your world, to bring order from chaos in your world as well. So let let Jesus introduce you to him. Here's what he says. Number one, this is in your notes, five things that he did. Number one is he, the Holy Spirit, wants to be with me. Here's the role of the Holy Spirit by Jesus' own words is that he wants to be with me. This is the primary role of the Holy Spirit. The primary role is to be with us. The, 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 The Greek word for this is paraclete, not parakeet, in case you're wondering, uh, it's in the Bible five different times, and it can be described different ways, helper, consoler, advocate, comforter, etc. But paraclete, para, I mean para, means to come alongside. Like when, you, when Jesus told parables, parables, that he, basically what he's doing is he has a principle, and he throws a story alongside that throw, para. He comes alongside and gives you a story. That's really what he, I'm really trying to model... <coughs> Jesus teaching model, which is to, here's truth, now bring stories alongside it. Jesus used stories that were appropriate for the day in which he was communicating, parables. You understand? So in paraclete is the one, he wants to come alongside us in our life and all our life experiences and help us guide and then, and then come alongside and guide us as we're going. That's what the Holy Spirit's there to do. He wants to be with us. John 14, 16, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another counselor, some translations say comforter, who would be with you forever. Now, how many of you, let me describe the, the, the best word I like for the Holy Spirit outside of just the characterization of him as a friend is the word comforter, comforter. I don't know about you, but I, I need to be comforted once in a while. I'm kind of a wuss in certain things. And my wife sometimes is like a pick yourself up by your bootstraps kind of girl. And so she'll, she'll assuage me for a little while, but you know, I kind of wish she'd go a little longer sometimes. Longer back rubs, et cetera, et cetera. So I need a little bit of comfort. You know what I'm saying? Some words of affirmation, things like that. Tell me how great I am. Uh, even when I'm doing a bad job, speak life. You know, when I feel like, you know, I'm screwing up. You know what I mean? But she's real good at it, but the Holy Spirit's better. No offense, baby. Uh, 
But you, how many of you know what I'm saying? You need a comforter, you know what I mean? So the co- correlation of comforter would be a physical comforter. How many of you have a big comforter on your bed? Okay, some of you don't. Now, I don't know if my mom's in the house, because I'm, but I'm gonna pick on her. My mom uh, uh, has a really nice house, okay? And you go in there, it's like a museum. It looks perfect all the time. I mean, you walk in, you're like, has anybody lived here ever? Uh, and, and, and you go in her bedroom, and it's like something out of Better Homes and Gardens or whatever that magazine is. And, um, and always on the bed is a, like, is like, it looks brand new, is this big, poofy, cushy, you know, super thick comforter, you know? And when she's not there, the only thing that I want to do is jump on that bed and get around that comforter. And I do. And, and, and it's been that way since I was a little kid. It's been that way since I was a little kid. And I can remember when we lived on 23 Duggan Drive in Framingham, Mass., you know, when she got her first new comforter, and we'd go in the room, and there's this beautiful comforter in there, and i just jump in the bed and get all inside it. And then, I, and then my mom comes back, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, getting comfy. You know what I mean? And she gets all mad, and she's huffing and puffing. You know, that's what you girls do, by the way. And, and, and then I leave, and then she goes on a walk or goes shopping or something like that. She comes back. Later on, she comes back. And I go into the room, and I look in the room, and the comforter's gone. I'm thinking, the comforter's been stolen. Somebody, I'm thinking, my, i got to tell my mom, somebody stole the comforter. Now, all you women know what's going on here, and all the men are like, what happened to the comforter? <laughs> I don't know. What happened? What happened? So I remember talking to my mom about it. I'm like, mom, where's the comforter? She says, it's ridiculous. That is not for use. That's for show. Like, why would you spend, you know, a fortune on this incredible comforter that you can't use? Listen, I'm just I gotta go off on the ladies for a second. You guys do that with all kinds. Of, you do that with towels. There's all kinds of stuff. There's stuff in my house that I can't use, but you can use it. You come over to my house and you can use those towels, but I can't use those towels. This is not fair. Something about that is not right. And I just want to make a confession. I did this in the last service, and I wasn't sure I was going to do this because my wife is here. I just want to confess that I use those towels when she's not looking. Okay? So every now and then, every now and then, then I just kind of put it back, neaten it up. But the point is, I think sometimes the comforter, the Holy Spirit, we think of him as a decoration, that, that, that he is just someone that is for show. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Why well, sing really good today. Uh, it's just a show. I'm just telling you, he wants to be in relationship with us, interact with us, participate in our life. Second Corinthians says, the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Number two, he will teach you what to do. The counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. I have said sometimes, Holy Spirit, help me in this situation, help me in that situation. Sometimes I don't ask him and he speaks to me. I can remember in the early years of my marriage coming into the house and I'm working a long day, my wife is home and I'm thinking, you know, in my brain, I'm thinking, I'm making, I'm making inaccurate observations of what she's been doing or not doing, all right? And so there's a critical spirit coming up in me, and I walk in, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking about saying something, 
based on these inaccurate observations, all the women know what I'm talking about right now. And all the men, I hope you're catching up. And the Holy Spirit would say to me, I wouldn't say that if I were you. (laughs) In fact, I'd go up, give her a good hug and say, can I help you with anything? And perhaps even offer to take her out for dinner tonight. The Holy Spirit is wise. And I got to admit, sometimes I just went, whoop, that couldn't be God. And then I turn around and say what I, should, what I shouldn't have said. I said it to her. I get not so nice to reply because it was really stupid. And then the Holy Spirit says, I told you, you should have listened to me. You know, and sometimes he talks to me with an accent, just in case you're wondering. And, <laughs> but my point is, involve him. Listen to him. Let him teach you. Do what he says. I have this one, uh, just wonderful encounter sometimes with reading the Bible where I invite the Holy Spirit into my, if you, when you're doing your one-year Bible, you know, when you're reading, you know, about Isaac, you know, this morning and just, you know, and just studying, you know, how his, his attitude towards the wells that he dug and that were stolen from him. This guy, he prospered in a season of famine when everybody else, he was a tither, by the way, and when everybody else was struggling, his, his, his profits were a hundred times greater than everybody else. And, and so when they, when they, when they stole his wells, he just, nah, okay, don't worry about it. Go dig another well. Then they stole that well. Ah, don't worry about it. Just dig another well. Finally, he got to a well that he was able to keep to himself. He just, his heart and his attitude was just so right. He was just so blessed. I love being able to see God unpack truth from the scripture and let you see what's behind just these little words that you're reading and how it applies to my life. If you invite the Holy Spirit, he'll show you that. I'm so tempted to go into one thing he showed me just today. I was studying for next week's message and he was showing me some cool stuff about how important intimacy with the Holy Spirit is and what will breach intimacy. Some of you hear me, and I don't mean to be, I'm just using myself as an example. Other people could say this. Hear me talk about conversations with the Holy Spirit and say, I don't have conversations like that. I, I, I talk to him, but I don't hear him talk to me. How do you know it's him? How do you know that's not a bad taco or you know, some <laughs> toast that went bad last night? How do you know? Listen, I want to help you with that next week. I want to show you what gets in the way of intimate connection with the Holy Spirit. Will you guys make sure to be here next week for that? And, and, and I want to say the Holy Spirit showed me how to teach that to you. He did. I wasn't like, I'm not that smart, okay? I, my wife will tell you I didn't get straight A's in school. I had a couple of seasons where I did really well, but for the most part, I didn't do so well. This isn't, you're not, this isn't, I ain't all that. The Holy Spirit's all that. And when you let him work in your life, he'll help you be all that you need to be. And that's not an army commercial, by the way. All right, number three, he helps me share my faith. Can you hang on for another minute or two? No, only two people can hang on. Okay, I better wind this up. He'll help me share my faith. and may help you to know I wasn't really a bold Christian. I was embarrassed to share my faith when I was growing up. I was timid in my beliefs. I struggled with the Bible calls it the fear of man, the fear of man work at the snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man means, in essence, an approval addiction. I want everybody to like what me. I want everybody to like what I had to say. I want everybody to agree with me. And when I, when I received the Holy Spirit, the fullness was spirit-filled, I got free from the fear of man. I'm not saying once in a while I don't wrestle with this or wrestle with that, but I'm just saying it was a significant difference. The same thing that happened to Saul when the Holy Spirit came on him I'm just saying it was like that. It was like a personality change where I'll say some tough stuff, and, uh, but, I, but now instead of having to fear of man, I care about man more. I don't just want their approval. I want to help them. Made me a better pastor. It was significant that I get free so I could be a better pastor. 
I was just rebuking somebody this morning in the lobby on the way in. He's like, hello. I'm like, well, listen, buddy. You know, saying, well, hope I didn't greet pastor that this morning. Uh, but the point, are you guys tracking with me out there at all? The Holy Spirit wants you to get free so you can share your faith. Most Christians never share their faith in their entire Christian experience. I'm not browbeating you. I'm saying that's just a fact. I want to. I must be competent. I don't know how to do it. I don't know the four spiritual laws. I don't know Romans Road. I don't know what the Bible says about it. I don't even know what he's talking about. And so you go through your whole life thinking, I don't know how to share my faith, or I feel embarrassed to share my faith. Listen, the Holy Spirit will make you bold. Somebody say bold. bold. Holy Ghost. Somebody make you, it'll make you bold. All right, what's boldness? Standing up on top of the platform and yelling and screaming and reading from the fattest Bible you can find on the planet Earth? No. Boldness is when the opportunity pops up, you speak up. And when he says something to you, you say it. And you're not afraid of what's on the other side because you know the Holy Spirit's leading you and he wouldn't lead you into anything but all truth. Oh, this is good. I'm telling you, you guys got to catch what I'm saying. I want to invite you in a relationship with the Holy Spirit that will make you bold. You know what will fill the church? You know what will move people from the street to the seat? Is when you're filled with power so you can be witnesses. In the book of Acts, listen to me. In the book of Acts, before he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he said, wait. He said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Oh, you guys are so quiet. I don't even know if you can capture all I'm talking about right now. The Holy Spirit is so important to be a bold witness. And I was afraid. And I thought, oh, if I get schooled better. I was schooled by the best when I was growing up. Bold evangelists. I could name people that just could go door to door, all through the streets, preach the Bible left and right. They dragged me with them. I always wanted to be sick on that day. I was scared to death. Get up there, Derek. You need to be bold. And if you're not, you, maybe you're not even a Christian, basically, is what I felt like. Until the Holy Spirit came into my life, I couldn't be bold. The same thing happened to Peter, who we can, an apostle. Peter had a three-year internship with Jesus. Are you guys tracking with me? Side by side with Jesus. And when a little girl challenged him, hey, aren't you the one that was hanging around? Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? No, 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 that wasn't me. That wasn't me. No, no. He was ashamed. He had a fear of man. He had a fear worse of a little girl. But after he was filled with the Spirit, he was a bold witness, even at the threat of his own life. And the church was turned upside down. Whew, number four, he will convict me when I'm wrong. Basically, I'm going to speed through this, but before you, can, before you can really begin to change and have those course corrections in your life, we need to understand that we call it a check in, the, check in our spirit. You're a tripart being. You have a spirit, you have a mind, and you have a body. That's why we fast. We fast to make the spirit king of the hill. You know, anybody play king of the hill when they were growing up? How many ladies? The first service, I was shocked how many ladies played king of the hill. Do you know king of the hill? Raise your hand if you play king of the hill. Wow, there's some stinking she-ras in this house right here. Unbelievable. I'm scared. I didn't know girls played that game. Anyway, king of the hill. Basically, whoever's on top of the hill, by default, was the strongest. So if you, you have a spirit, you have a battle going on, mind, body, spirit, who's going to be king of the hill? Fasting puts the spirit as king of the hill. We're going to undernourish the body right here. We're going to undernourish our mind, and we're going to overnourish our spirit so that the spirit man is in control, and we're not subject to our carnal, fleshly desires anymore. 
You're tracking with me? And that's when the Holy Spirit can speak to you and quickly make those course corrections. And when he speaks to you, he starts with a whisper. And let me tell you something, the whisper of the Holy Spirit is better than what happens next. Because if you can just listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit and not and turn up the volume and not turn it down, you can make changes really quickly in your life. But if we don't respond to the whispers of the Holy Spirit, then he brings people into our life. And he'll speak to those people. And there's a little bit of mixture. I think it's funny. You don't really get it yet, but there's a little bit of mixture. The Holy Spirit speaks through them, but they have their own interpretation sometimes a little bit, or it doesn't come with the best. It might come through your spouse. Are you starting to track now? Your spouse might be speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit, but there's a little bit of frustration in your spouse's voice. There's a little bit of angst, but it's still God. It's still God. It's better when we, when we can keep the volume up on what the God wants to say so we can just listen to him because he's really good at how to say it, and he, he's right on time, and he's right on the money, and his approach is awesome. But then it comes through these people. We call them prophetic warnings. If we don't listen to the people, then the Holy Spirit will use circumstances. He will leverage all that's going on in life to wake us, shake us, break us, do whatever he can to put us back on track with God, amen? He will convict us, which is really that word. We'll talk about it more later. Convict, a better translation of that word is the word convince. He's trying to remind you how bad you are. He's trying to remind you how much better your life will be when you're closer to him. Anyway, number five. He will guide me to truth. He will guide me to truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide me into all truth. Before you put your notebooks away, I want you to write something down. I know there's a tendency to do that last point. For some of you note takers, listen to this for a second. I just got this last night and I wanted to share it. And this will apply more, more, more to people who have been a Christian maybe 10 years or more. Everybody will get something out of this, but let me just say this. Um, I, in, in America specifically, I'm going to contextualize this for our country as, as, as I conclude. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit-filled life was restored to the church in America, most people believe that was started on the West Coast in 1906 in the Azusa Street Revivals, which was a byproduct of what's known as the Welsh Revivals. They came over. All these people were majorly impacted by a move of, of the Holy Spirit, and then it came into America. That really started all the major Pentecostal charismatic denominations were expressions or outbreaks from this revival that took place on the West Coast, the Azusa Street Revival. I've actually been on that street several times. And this is what I think happened. I think in that moment, Satan is not, the enemy is not omniscient, but he is not stupid. He got scared. He saw that if, that, if America would embrace the fullness, the, the, the relationship with, the person, the role, the gifts, the manifestation of the Spirit. Uh, it, it, could, it could be like literally like Book of Acts. And we've seen just, just pieces and, and moments of it, the charismatic renewal in the 70s and things like that. And, and so, and, but, but in the Book of Acts, the world was turned upside down when the, when the Holy Spirit came. And I think that his ploy was to stop the church with two strategic plans. One was make the Holy Spirit and anybody associated with the Holy Spirit to look weird. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not weird. He is cool. People are weird. And they would be weird without the Holy Spirit. Now they just use him as an excuse. And I'm, I, part of me is it's funny, and part of me means to be funny, but part of me is just true. There are just weird people out there. And, and sometimes we're taught, actually, over time, to be weird. You may not realize this, but sometimes I'm actually prophesying to you as a church, but I don't say, thus saith the Lord. Holy Ghost. 
I don't do that. I just speak. I just say, you know, the Lord's showing me something. I want to share it with you. And I just prophesy over you. I bring, a word of, I bring words of wisdom every single Sunday under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's still the Holy Spirit working. You understand what I'm saying? So sometimes well, that's what happens. We make them to be weird. The second thing is we make the Holy Spirit, the subject of the Holy Spirit, controversial. And one of the ways we make uh, the Holy Spirit, the subject of controversial, is through the use of terminology. Terminology in particular. This is just one uh, um, illustration. The ter- terminology, like a word. The word evidence is a big controversial word in and around the subject of the Holy Spirit. We say things, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit with, and there's different ways, in the ev- or with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Anybody ever heard that before? With the evidence, with the evidence. Okay, here's a problem I have with that. And, and I'm just, I want to be a good pastor to you. Here's my problem with terminology. It, makes, it, it now makes it so that you can judge whether or not I or somebody has the Holy Spirit when we make it about terms or terminology. Well, do you have this or do you have that? Have you received this? Have you received that? Do you have the evidence of this or do you have the evidence of that? Well, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't, it, and, and I think it actually produces a follow-up problem, which is pride. Pride. I think a better word, don't misinterpret me, a better word is not evidence but benefits of the Holy Spirit. It's not the preoccupation. Relationship with the Holy Spirit is the focus, but there are benefits to being in relationship with the Holy Spirit. There are benefits to being in relationship with my wife, praise the Lord. But my focus isn't on the benefits, or it shouldn't be, otherwise it's going to cause a demise of our relationship. The, the focus is on relationship. And so I think it's better to have benefits. In other words, the benefits to being in relationship uh, versus do you see the evidence of being with the Holy Spirit or having the Holy Spirit? Are you guys following me out there? And I personally believe the devil has tried to convince us that there's actually just one benefit or one evidence. And that's tongues. The truth is that's not what my Bible says and that's not what your Bible says. Listen to this. There are actually four benefits to being in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Write these down if you're interested. Number one, power. Power. Acts chapter one, verse eight says you will be, after, it says you will be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall receive what? Power. Power. Number two, love. 1 Corinthians 13. Here's, here's what 1 Corinthians 13 is saying. 1 Corinthians 12 is about the use of the gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 is the abuse or the order of the gifts. But 1 Corinthians 13 is saying this, all the gifts mean nothing without love. In other words, you can have this gift, but if it's, not man, if it's manifesting in criticism or assessment of someone else, you don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't know who you're talking to. A sign that you've received the Holy Spirit is power and love. Another sign that you've received the Holy Spirit is fruit. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. One of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit's work in your life and that you are Spirit-filled is the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control, goodness, kindness, all those things are part of it. And the last one, not saying it's last, are the gifts. The gifts. There's not just one benefit. There's four distinct benefits. And my point is that when the person is full of the Holy Spirit, he should have all of these. I'll probably do a whole message on that. But in conclusion, let me say, don't let abuse or misuse cause you to shy away from a daily walk with the Holy Spirit. Can you stand on your feet and let me pray for you? You guys have taken in a ton of information. It's going to be a little teachy in this series. Some of you are going to love it. Some of you are going to have to push a little bit. Nobody's working harder. Then this guy up here, I'm sweating to death. 
I, re I rebuked that phrase. I didn't mean that like that. <clears throat> Can you just close your eyes and let me pray for you? Let me just say this. Every head bowed, every guy closed. The Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to convict us or convince us. If you are convinced that you want to come in relationship with God, that is done by, by accepting what Jesus did for you by faith. The Holy Spirit is the one who's convincing of you of the fact that you need to do that. And maybe you're here and all this teaching and all this talk and all this worship and all this encounter with people and all that kind of stuff, really it all comes down at the end of the day, I'm convinced, I'm convicted that I want to be right with God. I want to be in right relationship with him. I want to know Jesus. And so if you're here today and you know that's you and you feel this kind of like tap, tap on your heart or on your soul, I understand. I've been there. Many people in this room have been there. And I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out from your seat. I just want to pray for you right where you are. And it won't, it won't take a long time. It's going to take a minute. But that minute can be the difference for the, and make the difference in eternity. Would you boldly just raise your hand and say, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. I see your hand all the way in the back. Is there anybody else that says, that's me? I don't want to miss that minute. I don't want to miss that chance to connect with God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll pray for you in just a second. Church, would you just pray this with me and just say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you'll be with me forever. You'll guide me into all truth. You'll lead me, comfort me, console me. I want to know you personally. Help me to overcome the different barriers that separate me from intimate relationship with you. Would you use this series, specifically your word, make it come alive to me. In your name I pray. And Lord, for that soul that's at the back, I pray, Lord Jesus, that as he confesses Jesus as his Lord and Savior, that he would know you personally, that his name would be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And to just tell you, sir, just to give your heart to Christ today afresh and just tell somebody about that. And that would be sealed in heaven forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Guys, 201 tonight, 530. Thank you so much for your attention and uh, your just uh, listening and putting up with me this morning in my voice. I'm going to be healed next week, I promise. Love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a good one. From the beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus.